This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We are so pleased you are with us. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. Scott Dickers is joining us today. Everybody, he is a number one New York Times bestselling author. His book, How to Write Funny, I need to learn about that, founded the Onion.com and the AV Club, also been named to Time Magazine's top 50 cyber elites alongside Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and George Lucas. What an honor and a pleasure to have you, Scott. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much. Isn't it hilarious that I'm one of the 50 cyber elite and I can barely use a computer? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think it's I think you did just fine getting here. I think you did as well. Good. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about, a couple of different topics, but the first one being humor in the workplace. So Lee, we want to give a little context and then we want to pick your brains on this. Well, the thing is, is that workplaces these days are so tense and everyone's so serious. We have numbers we've got to hit and we've got people who, you know, are overly sensitive about anything at the drop of a hat. So you can't, you know, you, you can't, you know, you have to be very guarded sometimes about the jokes you make, especially if you're in management. And but at the same point in time, though, there, there are situations that just call for a little levity for crying out loud. And and so, Scott, what I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, are, are there some do's and some don'ts for managers in the workplace that, that, that for injecting levity in, into the office uh, without getting themselves in trouble? Oh, yeah, there definitely are. Like in my book, I go through the 11 different kinds of jokes and some of them are going to lend uh, themselves more to like edgy humor or offensive humor, inappropriate humor. And let's be honest, that's the only kind of humor anyone really likes. Like <laughs> who's, who's sitting around waiting for a really juicy, appropriate joke? Like this just doesn't happen. Bad so, jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there are tips and tricks you can use, but just to give you sort of a broad answer, I think the important thing to consider is the difference between creatives and non-creatives. So in a non-creative sphere in an office, in accounting, in HR, you know, probably management, you know, I would, I would err on the side of being super careful and politically correct and stuff because you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable and you don't want to make people feel like they're, you know, being assaulted, you know, with uh, whatever you're saying, if it's offensive to them or, you know, how do you know what's going to be offensive to them? It, it is a minefield. But when it comes to creatives, it has to be uh, an environment that is a special cocoon inside a company where anything goes. And I'm talking about anything goes. So I'll tell you some stories about The Onion. Okay. Back in the day, uh, there were people, you know, naked around the office. There was a guy who would show you his testicle. It was like a really funny thing that he would do. Um, there was, there were fights, there was swearing, you know, where there, there was furniture broken, like. Oh, we have that. <laughs> <laughs> And Which part? No, just kidding. Uh, I feel the last like, part, not the first part. I feel like management needs to tolerate that in the creative sphere. Now, obviously, it's a challenge management-wise. If someone from that sphere comes to you and says, hey, something happened that I felt was inappropriate, but that's happened to me a hundred times, and you can always deal with it. You talk to them, and you talk to the other people, and they work it out. So 
I never really had any problem with it, but the idea of stifling creatives by telling them that you can never say anything inappropriate, you have to dress appropriately, you have to be appropriate robots, I feel like that's just going to stifle their creativity. So maybe so I, that's an, uh, uh, a very inappropriate answer, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> well, but so as part of, you know, your vast experience in building teams and being a leader, I guess, how do you read the room then and now know where you're setting the line for everybody in your local space where it's safe and yeah. accepted and you're not going right. to run into any type of HR issues? Yeah, so... When I was building The Onion, we didn't have an HR department. It was just a group of people who knew each other. It was like a band, you know? So that's different. If I'm plucked into a, a situation where I was just hired to lead a team, then I'm going to be Mr. Appropriate. I'm going to wait a long time before I get a real sense of the dynamic of the group before I start trying to push any boundaries or anything like that. And you, you will have to sacrifice a little bit of outrageous creative output, possibly, in that more appropriate type of environment. But, you know, I do feel like that's goal number one is to make sure everybody's happy and comfortable and feeling free to produce uh, without feeling oppressed or, you know, unnecessarily uh, offended in a way that's going to impede their ability to work. So if you're given a, 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 you have a presentation or if you're a salesperson, you're on a sales call or something like that, and you know, maybe you, you, you feel like you want to tell a joke, what are some of the ingredients of, a, of telling a really good joke? Yeah, so like I said, there's, there are 11 different kinds of jokes and literary devices. And anybody who's interested in looking into how to write funny and going through those, I'm sure you'll see what, what is appropriate, what is not. So the, one of them is shock, and that's one I would avoid. Like, don't do yeah. shocking humor. Don't try to use sex or violence or <laughs> any of the sort of traditional tropes of shock humor. Other, other uh, funny filters like character is a really good one. If there is a person that you and the other person know, then you can make a joke about character traits in that other person, and you can exaggerate them, and you can laugh in a good-natured way about character traits that someone has, like let's say somebody's always late or somebody talks really loud. You know, you can exaggerate that, make a joke about that. And now you've, you've almost got like, in a playful way, a shared enemy with the person that you're talking to because you're both making fun of this person and that's a bonding thing. That's one example. Uh, there are other things like wordplay, which is always really safe where you just, you can make a pun, even a bad pun that employs a second funny filter, which is <laughs> meta humor. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, bad pun uh, employs meta humor, which is laughing at humor itself. And so if you make a bad pun, and you're laughing at that, you've made two jokes, and you're doing all right. And we're from the Midwest, uh, originally. So uh, self deprecating humor uh, <laughs> can also be good, right? You never Yeah, there you're making yourself the character. And when you make a joke at your own expense, you can't lose uh, in that. Unless it's, again, unless it's something that veers into shock. If you're making a joke about your sexual prowess, I wouldn't go there with somebody <laughs> that you don't know. 
What were those three things, Audrey, that we were taught uh, when, when we were Sex, religion, and oh, politics. So Lee and I were talking before we all joined up in the room here. And I said, oh, my third rail has always been no sex, religion, or politics and talk in the workplace. Stay away from those. But have you noticed in the last even like five years, Scott, that the, the it's much broader than that now. Like everybody seems to be much more hypersensitive well beyond those three categories. Do you agree or what do you, what's your view? I've honestly, I have not experienced that, but to be honest, like I haven't gone to work in an office where there's cubicles, uh, for, uh, you know, a traditional company. Like, so I really don't know. And I go out and I give talks at mm-hmm. colleges often companies and I've never had an issue. You know, I, I know a lot of people have stopped going to colleges and speaking because they get too many complaints that, mm-hmm hey, you said something that triggered one of our students in our audience of 600. And I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> like, how can you possibly not offend at least somebody? But I go there and I say, you know, honestly, I say whatever I want. And maybe it's my reputation. Maybe it's because I come from the onion. They kind of know what they're going to get. Yes. I don't know. But I'm also, I have a lot of experience being an equal opportunity offender. And I, I know how to make jokes that target the right target. And don't go after the oppressed or the the downtrodden, which is what makes for offensive humor generally. And and you're trying to motivate these people when you're speaking at a college, right? So I mean, inspire them and that that sort of thing. That's one of the things you talk about in in your writings as well. I mean, all managers really should try to be inspiring to, to inspire their employees and to be better versions of themselves, not just perform better, but just for them, for them to be better. And also, you know, you know, their customers and, and whomever else. Um, can you talk yes. a little bit about uh, inspiring people? Yeah, yeah. So I, I just wrote another book. It actually debuted on Tuesday of this week. It's called Outrageous Marketing. And the, the subtitle is uh, The Story of the Onion and How to Build a Powerful Brand with No Marketing Budget. How's that for clickbait? I love it. <laughs> Oh, you and, up with a spoon. Love it. Yeah, it yeah. Uh, debuted uh, number one in its category on Tuesday. I'm super excited about it. Congratulations. What was the headline in The Onion on that? <laughs> on, my, on my book debuting, they have not covered it. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in there I talk about a, a lot of the number of the different ways that I kind of inspired my team. And one of them we already talked about, and that is creating a kind of cocoon for creative people to be free. And not only free to do and say whatever they want while on the job, but literally to come and go as they please. So there were writers who wouldn't show up for days. They'd be on a drinking bender. Or one time one of the writers came to me after she had been gone for several days and said, oh, I'm sorry, I had to give my cat medicine. <laughs> and like in a, normal, in a normal place, a person like that would get fired. But at The Onion, it was like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> come, come back to work. As long as you're funny and you're producing the jokes, I don't care. I don't care if you keep a chair warm from nine to five. I think that's nonsense. Um, giving people as much freedom as possible inspires them because then they're their own boss. They're like their little entrepreneurs within the company. If they perform and they do what they're supposed to do, they're, they're lauded for that and they get rewarded for that. If they don't, they're quickly dismissed. So it's like a really great way to incentivize people performing at their best, becoming really loyal, and you ultimately put together a really cohesive team that works incredibly hard uh, to produce incredibly great work. 
it so is uh, loosening up the reins and like the opposite end of the micromanaging spectrum, the way to yes. help a writer that might have writer's block. Lee was particularly interested in well, asking yeah, but about yeah, yeah because you're stuck and you're having to write an email to a client or you're having to do a presentation in a manager's meeting or something like that. And, and you, sometimes you just get stuck and, you know, it's like you have any tips for getting unstuck. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a couple of tips in how to write funny that will cure writer's block permanently. And I'll just tell you what they are right now. Uh, the main one is an exercise called the morning pages where you spend a half an hour every day just writing and you don't stop moving your fingers for 30 minutes. You can write about whatever you want. doesn't matter. Nobody's ever going to see it. And if you do that for two or three days in a row, you'll never have writer's block again because you know what it's like to fill three pages in 30 minutes of nonsense. And ultimately that's what writing is. It's producing nonsense. If you can produce nonsense and then go take a coffee break and then come back, you can edit that and usually come up with something decent. You know, that when you work in a creative field like I have, you really can't afford writer's block because you have deadlines and you have to produce work that comes out at a certain time. So getting rid of writer's block is, and any professional writer knows it's not really a thing. Uh, and, and the way to get rid of it for people who do feel like they have it is that just write. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. To totally makes sense. And then, so do you find that um, with the creatives and Lee is a creative brain, you two are two peas in a pod. I'm much more of the linear thinker, um, uh, less creative brain, but uh, that you saw boosts in productivity from teams and using this approach? Well, I never had to uh, teach this approach to my teams at the onion. They were already, uh, natural writers, you know, that's why they came to us and that's why they wanted to write for us. Professional writers typically are just overflowing with a need to write and they're going to write whether you give them the opportunity to do it or not. And so they're constantly writing. The, but I have had, so I started this program at the second city in Chicago called uh, writing with the onion and we train people how to write and write humor. And a lot of those people come from less creative fields and they often come in with writer's block or, you know, they don't know what to write or whatever. And, and yes, we do the exercise with them and they're often running. Uh, a lot of them will write comedy articles that will get published. Uh, so it's a pretty miraculous cure-all, my opinion. I can imagine it must be getting harder to write at the young in these days because sometimes I'm, the, the headlines I'm seeing in, in the newspapers these days is like look like they they were they came from the onion and they're real. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Is that it, what you're experiencing over there? I mean, sometimes you go through uh, periods, eras where reality seems to be very strange and you're trying to come up with crazy, strange, outrageous material when you do comedy. And if you're doing it well, people should recognize it. And maybe they're fooled for a second, but then hopefully they start reading the story and they realize, oh, I see this. No possible way this could be real. And that's ideal. But sometimes you do kind of want to play that gray area and make people wonder. And then if people actually believe it's real, it's, you're kind of punking them and that's all good and fun. And then another thing that can happen that's really amazing is when you think you're creating something totally absurd and outrageous and funny. And then in a few months, that thing will happen. <laughs> like it will literally come true. And that does happen, unfortunately, a lot uh, in The Onion. And it's, that's kind of amazing because real life is always funnier than something you can make up. 
So when you can make up something that does become real, it's kind of the holy grail. Yeah. What's that's the phrase? Like, I, I couldn't make this up if I tried. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful. So, <laughs> we can expect to see uh, balls in the in the Grand Canyon then and make turn it into a giant ball pit. Last question, and we'll let you go. That the, we asked you, what's the number one problem or mistake managers and leaders make, and why? And you said they don't act like humans. Uh, what did you mean by that for our audience? <sighs> Did I say they don't like the humans or did I say they act like chimps? Yes. Oh, yes, you did. You said they act <laughs> they like act chimps like instead chimps. of humans. Yeah, yes. yeah. So I believe that people who manage and who have not had much management or leadership training are acting on instinct and humans are 98% chimp. And so what they're doing is a lot of alpha male behavior. Sadly, it's usually males. And they are trying to diminish people under them. They're trying to micromanage mm, them. Yeah. Their ego is getting involved. They want to thump their chest or whatever. So a human being doesn't have to be a chimpanzee. We have that 2.2% or whatever it is uh, of a frontal lobe that allows us to be considerate and compassionate and empathetic. And so eschewing credit, you know, giving credit to your team instead of yourself. Um, being considerate of people as human beings and not as cogs in a machine. These are all really critical things that make people in a company feel cared for and less fearful. I think so many people in, in traditional workplaces are afraid. They're afraid of getting yelled at. They're afraid of getting fired. They're afraid of getting in trouble with HR for doing something inappropriate, whatever the case. They're not, their passion is not being channeled into doing great work. Their, their passion is channeled into how do I get through this day and get home so I can watch TV. <laughs> and that's just not that kind of company, you know, good luck to them succeeding. Mm -hmm. And if you treat them like human beings who are not a cog in your company, but are in fact the leaders in their own story, in their own life, you're just a, you're just a, a means through which they can do the work that they want to do in life. Uh, it, that's that's a much more welcoming and uh, empowering environment for somebody to be in. Yeah. My last question for you, is, Scott, is like, what's the most outrageous headline you've read recently that didn't come from the onion but could have? That's a good question. <laughs> Are you a big news uh, consumer? Oh, so yeah, yeah. I'm a junkie. I'm okay, a me too, yeah. But can I think of a story that... Um, uh, this whole Sarah Sanders Huckabee karate chop thing that happened at the White House is kind of weirding me out. I don't know, with Jim Acosta oh, from CNN. And oh, now they're making the, videos and changing the speed. They're doctoring the, videos. Of yeah, the, they're doctoring videos of the karate chop when he pushed her arm away. And it's like, what? This is like you mean part the, of our you news mean, cycle? You mean the intern who took Yeah, his the intern. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> I don't know. No, that, that was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> Hiya! Give me the microphone. I know. So, yeah, I can't think of anything. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's like I thought when, um, the when Trump spoke at the UN and they laughed out loud at him. I thought that was oh, pretty that funny. That was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That was really and, and like his reaction to it was, <laughs> what was really like an honest moment that I saw in yes. him, like where he was truly humiliated for a, a brief second. He looked Which, like he, somebody had reached out and just like boxed him on the <laughs> for a second. That right, was the expression right. on his face, like right. not. And then, and then he said, just like he blurted out, not expecting that. Didn't expect that. <laughs> Did he say yeah. that? 
but then he said, but that's okay. You know, cause like he has to always okay, be okay, okay. the confident, yeah. strong leader. Like that's the recovery the time there was, was pretty excellent. I have to give him credit for that at least. Spectacular <laughs> recovery time. But it really was amazing to see that brief glimpse of um, humiliating dread on his face. That was something. It's nice to know it doesn't happen just to me or anyone else. Like it, it just to right. see it, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's like every public speaker's fear. It's like, you know, <laughs> you go out there and you're afraid to, uh, you're afraid of getting booed by the audience or whatever, bombing or whatever. Oh so, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah, anybody <laughs> in comedy who's ever written comedy um, or you know, just like to crack you know, you know, smart ass jokes or whatever, you know, dreads that. That's right. Exactly. Well, everybody, uh, so to reach Scott, he's at Scott Dickers on Twitter. You are not on LinkedIn, so I'm going to tell – LinkedIn might be where a lot of our audience goes to find you. He's not there, guys. He's they on send Instagram. me too many emails. I don't like them. Yeah. It's, it's Scott Dickers on Instagram. I'm going to follow you on Instagram. Oh, wonderful. And Dickers is two Ks and no C. Yes. D-I-K-K-E-R-S. K-K, yep. Get the books, everybody. Outrageous Marketing, The Story of the Onion and How to Build a Powerful Brand with No Marketing Budget and How to Write Funny. Scott, what a pleasure to get a few moments of your time. You get such an interesting view of things. It's been great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.